Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Her Story. Today I'm talking to Joanne Lamolino, who is currently the Associate Principal Second Trumpet of the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra. In this episode, Joanne and I talk about her career, we talk about being female brass players, and we talk about some of the gender stereotypes that exist in the orchestral and the professional field. So I'm really excited for you all to listen to this episode. Please make sure you're liking and sharing it with your friends, and also that you're liking and following our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram and our Facebook page. Thanks and enjoy. Joanne Lamolino and I play trumpet. I am originally from Paramus, New Jersey and currently I live most of the year or half the year I guess in New Jersey with my husband who is a high school band director and I live the other part of the year in Honolulu, Hawaii because I am a member of the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra. Wow that's so cool. Thanks. I heard when you first sing or you messaged me on Facebook, I was like, oh, that is so cool. I'm so jealous. Because <laughs> I'm originally from Buffalo, so it's just snow. Like, all yeah. The and it stinks. I hate well, Buffalo's. Snow. Buffalo's really nice, though, in the summer. Yeah, it is. It doesn't get too hot, so that's, that's a good thing. That's positive. And some of the best strawberries I ever had were from somewhere outside of Buffalo. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a friend of mine used to teach adjunct at SUNY Fredonia, and I was was passing through one summer, and we got strawberries at a farmer's market, and they were uh, absolutely amazing. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. Okay, obviously, you're a female trumpet player. You said that. What made you choose the trumpet? What made you get into music in the first place? Okay, well, my dad had played trumpet, and he was semi-professional. So he had played all throughout supporting himself to go to computer school back in the day. And, you know, he had a wedding band. So he didn't play when I was a kid, but we had a trumpet. And every so often he would show me and my brother how it worked. And when it was, yeah, it was, it was really neat. And I thought when it was fourth grade and it was time to pick an instrument, Honestly, it wasn't so much that I wanted to play the trumpet. I just wanted to join the band because my friends were joining the band. And I sort of didn't necessarily care what I played to some extent. And I said, oh, well, we have this trumpet. I'll just play it. Mm, Yeah. And I actually really liked it. And it was really fun. So it was just the thing then. Yeah. My dad played the trumpet too, but he only played through high school. So... Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's really cool. You started in fourth grade. How were your experiences playing in your sections in band when you were in middle school and high school? Were they mainly positive, negative? How were those experiences for you? Everything was actually extremely positive throughout middle school because I had my middle school band director was a woman 
I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a short statured woman. And so was my middle school band director. So I think she got a big kick out of me just, you know, playing ridiculously loud trumpet from the back of the room. And I had a big personality and yeah. So she was extremely, extremely positive about me playing trumpet and gave me lots of opportunities. And even when I played in, we had a summer music program in my town and even though she wouldn't be necessarily in charge of seating and stuff in the summers, all the band directors that I dealt with always sat me fairly like where I should be. You know, so I always, you know, as like a sixth grader, I used to get to play in like the high school band or seventh grade and get to play in the high school band, you know, with older kids. So, and no one ever treated me differently because, you know, it was only me and Chrissy, the other, you know, the other girl that played trumpet. Mm -hmm. We were treated fairly, I would say. And then things didn't start to get weird until I was in high school. Mm. You know, there was obviously once I got to high school, there was, you know, my sophomore year, my band director after the seating auditions had me and the senior tie. And of course, because he got the higher score in X, he was the one that got to sit first chair. I mean, looking back on it, you know, I think that was the right thing to do. But unfortunately, that boy was really rude and condescending and really acted like he was way better than me when he Mm -hmm. wasn't. And obviously, looking back on it, that was on him. He just felt extremely threatened by me, whether it was probably because I was a woman, probably because I was a couple of years younger than him, you know. And at the time, I think I, I was aggravated by that, for sure. And then in the same year, I was in a youth symphony where also the orchestra director made me and the boy who was the same age as me, he made us tie for co-principal trumpet. Mm. And guess what? That boy, you know, he got to play principal on the symphonies and I did. And, you know, essentially I played the associate role while he really played the principal role. And he also felt threatened by me. And I also, I guess from that or whatever, I never felt like I was being treated fairly by that orchestra director in that youth symphony. Yeah. So it was those experiences when I was 15, 16, that all of a sudden I was like, oh, stuff is different. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my story is very similar. I had a, my seventh grade band director was a female and I'm only five foot four. So yeah, (laughs) it's kind of funny. I was just like sitting here like, wow, we have like the same life so far. That's awesome. But sort um, of, except I'm five one. (laughs) Oh, so you're even shorter than me. So I always feel short in situations, but you're even shorter than me. But, um, I mean, yeah, I went through middle school and I felt like I, I knew, you know, there was a lot more boys in the trumpet section, the girls. And I knew that it was a more male dominated instrument. I obviously had that perception in middle school, but I never felt ostracized for my instrument until I was in high school. And it wasn't even so much my school ensemble where I felt that way, but it was the extra things I did outside mm-hmm. of school. So like I went to Fredonia's summer music festival when I was in high school and I auditioned because they had placement auditions at the very beginning of the camp and I got first chair and all the boys had like a super big issue with that and Mm. there was one kid who walked in thinking he was just gonna get it and 
I beat him out because he had been there for so many summers before and was always playing first chair. It was my first summer and he got real defensive about it. And like his friends were like, oh, dude, you got beat by a girl and things like that. And I think just from, you know, having to go through that, but also being on the teacher side of things and now witnessing it with my students, I'm thinking it's it's more of a boys socially see them getting quote unquote beat by a girl as a sign of weakness. Yeah. Because they are brought up in such a competitive environment that's always boy on boy, whether it's sports or whatever they're doing. And we separate boys and girls so much growing up that when we're throwing them into something like that and they're being competitive with each other on the same level, all of a sudden they get real defensive because, you know, we use terms growing up like fighting like a girl or blah, 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 like a girl. And so we're seen as the weaker sex. So when that happen and a girl beats out a boy for something like that, that's not, that's now a sign of weakness. They're not dominant anymore. And they get this defensiveness whether they consciously are aware of it or not especially in young boys I've seen that a lot and it's kind of scary (laughs) yeah I remember even being in high school and my middle school band director she had gone out on maternity leave and the woman that substituted for her happened to be a trumpet player and there was an issue with uh, a couple of kids I remember they were they were two two boys in the trumpet section that were sort of like neck and neck, and one of them said something to the this lady who was the the you know the the sub band director like oh well you know Mrs so and so didn't want to give this to me but you know she's a you know she's a girl and she doesn't really understand and you know the sub said oh well, let me show you what a girl can do with a trumpet. And she like totally, you know, played some stuff, sounded like a badass. And then she mm-hmm. reported back to the, my, my band director. Oh, don't worry. I took care of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's yeah, awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. And you know, stories like that make you smile, but at the same time it makes you think about like men don't necessarily have to do that. No, they, they don't. don't have to justify themselves to a group of kids. Like, When I stepped into my new position, I was fortunate because I replaced a female band director. And I teach high school band. And so we're vast minority in the band director population. I think 15% of high school band directors are women. And so I was fortunate to be replacing another woman. So the gender thing wasn't so much of an issue as the fact that I walked into a high school band job at the age of 21 (laughs) and and playing trumpet. And so I had to deal with, you know, my, my all male trumpet section in my high school band. There's 11 of them. And yep. I got a little bit of, there's a little bit of abrasion, a little bit of backlash at first because their former teacher was an oboist. So she was mainly doing the woodwind lessons in the school. And then I come in and I'm taking over the whole brass program. And so mm-hmm. they were a little like, mm, does this lady really know what she's talking about? And I played a piece with the high school choir on the first concert and so my kids heard me play and then all of a sudden that did a full 180. Wow. Miss Reed, how can I learn to play like you? (laughs) And I was like, oh well, you know, I'm taking that as a compliment. Like, cool, yeah, this is great. Now they like respect me, but at the same time sitting there going, if a man were me 
would they have had to do that to get respect from their students? And the nope. No. Exactly. So nope. it's a very weird dynamic shift being in that position and being a female. It's a very strange environment. And it makes you think a lot about those things, for sure. Definitely. So you were talking about how high school you started to notice these sorts of things. How about in college, when you were in studying in school, you were studying to be a professional trumpet player, how were those experiences for you? Actually, they were very positive for the most part. Mm -hmm. I did my undergrad at Boston University. You know, Boston University to study there for music in the late 90s was actually, it was a it was a great environment. Yeah, there was always always a lot of talk about how musical you could be and taking chances and doing really good things. And my seating for, you know, seating auditions was never impacted in a negative way. I basically received the type of training I needed for when I was ready for it, I have to say. Mm -hmm. It really worked out quite well. So that was never an issue. I did my master's at Manhattan School of Music. I didn't have any weirdness within the section by any any stretch. I was reminded of my gender, though, by one of my private teachers. I had the good fortune to study with Vince Penzarella, who played second trumpet in the New York Philharmonic for a very, very long time. And honestly, this comment didn't really piss me off. It was because he was very positive in my lessons and I never felt like he did anything that was sexist. But he did say to me one day in a lesson, he said, you know, Joanne, you're going to have it 10 times worse than any man to get ahead yep. in the old. And I like looked at him like, oh my God. And he was like, but don't worry, you're on the right track. You're doing great. And it was like, yeah, on the one, you know, it was very blunt, but he was very blunt, and I, I appreciated that. And like I said, he wasn't telling me, like, you know, you're never going to do this, and you should just go home and become a housewife. Like, he wasn't saying that. Yeah, he was yeah. Just, just, you know, just keep, keep going. It's going to be hard, but just keep going was, like, the message that I got about that. Yeah, so, he was real with you. Yeah. And I don't know, it wasn't until I guess I was out of school. Out of school, I was freelancing in the New York City area for, I guess, I mean, predominantly for a solid eight to 10 years, I think. You know, I was predominantly freelancing. What I was finding was just like, it was very hard to sort of get ahead and to get certain work. And I would find out that other guys were getting certain work that I wasn't getting. On the one hand, you know, I'd say, well, there's really nothing I can do about this, except, you know, I mean, I am working and I'm very happy with the work I have. Granted, it would be better if I had X, but, you know, I, I don't. And that is what it is. But, you know, every so often I would have a friend that would point something out to me like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is doing this work. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, I went and played for that principal trumpet and like I didn't get any work out of that. And you don't necessarily know if it, it's, you know, how you came across in the meeting. You don't know if it is your playing. You don't know if it is because you're a woman. And honestly, I never wanted to spend lots of time speculating because I just didn't feel like it was helpful. Those are, those are weird situations for sure. But then I started subbing some Broadway shows and that's where I started to see a lot more issues 
for sure. I know one time I was propositioned by someone that I was subbing for on a show. When I refused to sleep with him, he never hired me again to sub for his show. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that legit happened. Wow. Yeah. And I just was like, wow. And then I also heard that, you know, he told a friend of mine's husband that I had propositioned him and he said no. So now I also find out, I don't know how many people he spread that rumor to, but it wasn't mm -hmm. true. And I was like, well, there again, like, there's not much I can do about that. Like, I, you know, I can't, I don't even know what to do about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and then I remember during that time too, that I was doing some Broadway work. I was also taking some lessons with the late Lori Frank. She was awesome. And I remember telling her about, you know, this situation and she's the one that sort of was like, well, you didn't sleep with him. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, honestly, she's like, you're going to get rejected from subbing at so many shows way more because you're a woman and because it's just such a, it's just such a crazy game. And I was, yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, that sounds really great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and it was, it's unfortunate, but I did experience that. So that being said, someone else had propositioned me about sleeping with them. And when I said no, he actually still continued to have me sub on his shows. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he let it go and realized that I was not interested in that. And yeah. we were still friends, you know, it's very interesting, you know, how certain people react for sure. But it's definitely the type of thing, like, not that I would walk around looking for it, you know, just sometimes those things happen. You, you wished it wouldn't happen, but unfortunately those are legit experiences. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about performing on Broadway and doing that subbing thing and gigging and freelancing, but you've also played, you played in the Charleston Symphony Orchestra for a few years. I did my Facebook stalking, so... That's myself. awesome. That's <laughs> and now you're playing in the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra. So yeah. you have this experience with, you know, being a gigging musician, and you also have this experience of being an orchestral musician. So how were your experiences being an orchestral musician in comparison to that gigging life where you were saying you had experienced all these things? Were those sexist and misogynist experiences you've had from gigging the same in the orchestra with regards to auditioning or playing in your section, or were they different? They have been slightly different, for sure. Mm -hmm. I haven't been in the different orchestras that whether I've won by audition or I've subbed in, no one has ever propositioned me to go sleep with them, which is very nice. That's good. Um, good news. Yeah, <laughs> that's a plus. But you know, there's comments here and there. I remember one time in an orchestra, we had to uh, consolidate our risers that we were sitting on because of a pop setup. And a colleague said to me, oh, because all of a sudden it got really tight. And he looked at me and he said, oh, do you have enough room for your balls on this stage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I just sat there and said, uh, yeah, everything's good over here. Yeah. I guess you don't have enough room. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, it was just, you know, it's like super awkward and you're yeah. like, oh, uh, right. Okay. Cause on the one hand, you know, if you're not tenured somewhere, you don't feel like you have a lot of freedoms to say certain mm -hmm. things that maybe you would like to say. So oh, yeah. yeah, 
<laughs> so like that's a situation so you kind of have to I kind of have to chuckle and pretend like you're cool with it, <laughs> even yeah. though you're really, you're really not. And it's really not cool at all. But yeah, it's sad that that's how the world is, unfortunately, yeah. especially in jobs that have tenure positions. Same thing mm -hmm. in education, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. I've had colleagues in education make comments and things like that towards me. And I've just kind of had to brush it off and take it. You're, unfortunately not in a position of power and the threat of repercussions for certain actions is huge and situations and everything is so political with who the higher ups are and who you know and who you don't know. And so those situations can get very fishy, especially if you're someone who's new in a position. Yes, definitely. So that kind of stuff is tricky. You know, obviously at some point or another, I've definitely had, when I've been sitting, you know, principal trumpet on a piece or something, definitely had a conductor not look at me and look at the gentleman that's sitting next to me. Mm -hmm. their principal. And then when they talk to them, I usually then I've, I've intercepted and say, yes, I'll be sure that we take care of that. And I sort of say it with a smile. Yeah. I'm i I'm a big fan of sort of uh, smiling and not getting angry. And, yeah. you know, because eventually people are going to realize how ignorant their, their assumptions are. And yeah. it's not necessarily, it's not my job to tell you that it is. It's just for me to maybe, maybe show you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had conductors in college do that as well. Like I'm sitting principal and they're looking at the guy next to me, which sometimes happened to be my boyfriend. So that was a weird, weird situation because he'd be yeah. like, oh, you mean her? But yeah, I would do that too. They would say something like, oh yeah, so I need this. And he's looking right at him and I'm sitting there like, oh, yep, yep. We'll be sure to do that. And I said it loud enough for the whole ensemble to hear me. <laughs> and then you make the conductor feel real awkward and they look down and it's, it's, I find it humorous, but at the same time, I'm kind of sitting there like, hello, you clearly yeah. see the instrument in my hand. I'm sitting next to a trombonist, so it's not like <laughs> there's any confusion yeah. there. <laughs> I'm right there. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think we all have that story, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, so it's not it's not necessarily newsworthy by any stretch <laughs> it it is unfortunate you know i sadly sort of expect that at some point you know mm -hmm. and if it happens it happens and hopefully it doesn't but you know i think things are getting better for sure yeah yeah i i remember like i said you know when i was solidly freelancing a solid 10 years ago i feel like the landscape was a lot different the comments were a lot more the feeling that you were never going to get invited out for a drink because you're not one of the bros. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of that is, is different now, for sure. Yeah, I think it's different just the landscape of the job and what's required for you to get gigs is very different than the orchestra where usually, you know, there's an audition and there's this whole process and most orchestras are blind auditions and those things. And then when you're gigging, it's like who you know and the connections you make and forming those relationships. So a lot of that can be very subjective in who yeah. they pick for what gig. Whereas I feel like orchestra auditions obviously historically have not been very fair, but I think because of the blind auditions and everything, we're moving to a more objective standpoint. So that way it's more about how you play than who you are in that regard. 
yeah, I mean, I play in a in another orchestra that's a regional orchestra, and I've I've kept that job even though I've had you know full time orchestra jobs in the process. Mm-hmm. And I, from what I understand, the job was down to me and the first call sub that's friends with everybody. Uh, and I didn't know any of this backstory going into the audition, but the committee chose me. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back after I had found out someone had told me all this information at the, you know, after the fact. Yeah, I feel very fortunate that, you know, that audition was obviously run extremely fairly. And the the guy that that is everyone's best friend didn't get the job. So. Yeah, yeah. When you are doing orchestra auditions and those sorts of things, have all the auditions that you've done been blind? Or were some of them not blind? And how is that experience different for you? Well, first rounds have to be blind um, and second rounds have to be blind. And then it's based on in the orchestra's rules about their, how they run their auditions, whether or not screens come down. The only time I've been in the finals where the screen was down was actually in Charleston Symphony for the finals. Cool. Hawaii, the, the screen was still up. Reading Symphony, the other job that I have, the screen was still up in the final round as well. Yeah. So, I mean, sad to say, but yes, I always prefer that the screen just stay up for the final round. Yeah. Because I still honestly feel like sometimes people do vote with their eyes. And, you know, I would like, I still feel in this day and age, I like the protection of my gender. Yes. Yeah. And we have to go through all sorts of extra hurdles, like making sure we don't wear jewelry and there's carpeting so we don't have to wear, like we can't wear heels and make certain messages and all those other things that are involved in that as well. Yeah. I make sure that I wear a slightly heavier shoe when I go because, you know, my, my foot size is a five and a half ladies. So my (laughs) foot My footfall is very light. I'm also 110 pounds. So, you know, I try to wear a a heavier shoe when I'm walking out. I mean, it's little, little things. And, you know, maybe to some people, it's not a big deal, but it could be to other people. I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I don't ever want to put myself in a position where I found out I didn't get a job because I was a woman. Yeah. It would be, because that would be, that's a drag. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely you know, I try to take as many perca- I, I try to be as prepared possibly as I can be of um what sorts of things I can control when I do go to an audition mm-hmm. um and if I can control maybe what my footfall sounds like a little bit um you know I I feel like that's an advantage to me yeah I mean and I come from it as a just a person that's been a female trumpet player for a long time and also teaches. So I've had to do interviews and that sort of thing for my position. I don't want the reason why I got the job to be, be because I'm a woman. And I don't want the reason that I didn't get the job to be because I'm a woman. Exactly. I don't want that tokenism attitude of we have to have a woman, but I also don't want it to be oh, she can't handle the job because she's a woman. So it's like this balance of, I just want it to be because I'm qualified for this. Exactly. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, you never know. You know, you never know what the the background politics are when you're going for stuff. So I feel like the best you can do is, you know, bring your A game into no matter what it is. And just, you know, and, and put it out there and hope for the best. So, yeah. 
I was talking to one of my friends. She's a professional trumpet player. And we were talking about how she, she plays for a lot of pits for different okay. shows and things. And she was talking about how she did a one show and she got done playing. And one of her friends was, I think, the bass player in the pit. And he was carrying her trumpet case out of the pit. And this older gentleman stops them. And was like, oh my gosh, are you the trumpet player? He's saying to the guy, you sounded so great. Like, that was so amazing. And he's like, oh, well, actually, she was the trumpet player. And he handed the case back to her. And then this man's attitude completely changed when he found out that she was Ah. the trumpet player. And so, like, I'm curious, have you ever had, like, kind of a different form of feedback or attitude from people in your audiences from anything that you've performed in, whether it was a gig you did or playing in the orchestra or things like that, have you ever had that kind of attitude from audience members or anyone who's ever listened to you play? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's sort of like they'll find out that you were the trumpet player and then they sort of hesitate and they'll go, well, it was very nice to hear you. Yeah. You know, it's or, sort or of good for a girl. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little, you know, it may be, it's polite and then they move on. It's like, they don't want to sit and, and, you know, they don't, they don't want to expand on anything or, or something to that effect. Whereas, yeah, you know, maybe a lot of times with, with a gentleman playing the role, it would be a little different. I, I feel like that's especially the case with some male members of the audience because they try to act all bro-y and like boys clubby with the male musicians and they find out oh it's you and then they kind of reserve themselves a little bit or I've always gotten the the astonishment or the surprise that I was able to even produce that sound on my instrument because they see how small I am and they're like yeah like I conquered some major beast in being able to play my (laughs) instrument and I'm like it's really not like any anybody can do this I can show you how to do it doesn't matter how big or small you are kind of thing yeah I get that one a lot it's like wow you were the trumpet player Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And honestly, that's another case where I smile and I say, yes, I said, it's not about size. It's about your efficiency. And I I smile and I say, well, thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed the performance. My, my section in my undergrad had a lot of really big guys in it. So a lot of my colleagues were like six, three, six, four, 200 plus pound men. And then there'd be me. And we would do, we did like a Beatles festival every year and we play a whole Beatles album all the way down. And it was really fun. It was a really great experience. And like, I would always play in the trumpet sections for it every year. And so we would have to stand in the back. And it was just so funny because I just had like these giant men and then there was me. And then I would be oftentimes playing all the first trumpet stuff and just the reactions I got from the audience. And they were like, we didn't even see you up there and things like that because I'm just so much smaller than them. It was just so funny. I don't know. A lot of times when I, when that does happen, you know, from an audience member, I I just think, you know, it's nice that they came. I'm very thankful they came to the concert and perhaps they, you know, they, they don't necessarily know that, you know, women do play the trumpet. So I try to think a little bit more that it's, it's, you know, it's not about me. It's about, you're hoping that when someone goes to a museum or when they go to a, a, you know, a new experience like a concert, you're hoping that they're going to learn something new from it. Like I know when I go to different exhibits, let's say, at, you know, 
the Metropolitan Museum or something. I, I want to make sure that I've learned something about an artist or about the medium that they used. And I try to think of it that way. Like, oh, okay. You know, I believe now that this person went, went home with a little bit more than, you know, they just heard Messiah. They also yeah. heard that you know, a woman, a woman does play the trumpet and does play it well. So yeah, <laughs> you educate them a little bit. <laughs> well, it is, you know, and especially yeah. I, like nowadays there's there's so many different avenues for entertainment that people can choose and some entertain some forms of entertainment are educational and maybe some are less so and obviously if people are taking the time to buy tickets and actually you know well not now but you know leave their house to go to concerts or like i said or to museums to see you know basically priceless works of art then they're looking for maybe a little bit more in their experience uh, to get some education as well. So yeah, at least, at least I am when I go. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get something out of it for sure. Yeah, You know, I want to go see, I, I, I was really cool. You know, I, I think when you're, you're playing a lot of concerts, you don't get to go to a lot of concerts and be a mm -hmm. spectator. And it's super fun when you do. I guess a couple of springs ago, I went to see American Ballet Theater in New York, and I went to see them do uh, Rite of Spring and Firebird. And I was like, damn, this is like really cool because, well, first off, I actually get to watch something and not just play it. And, you know, it was really interesting to see the modern interpretations that they used with the dancers and everything, because obviously, you know, yeah. if you've if you've ever seen Firebird, you know, on a video or whatever, it's, uh, you know, it's probably an, an old school, it could be, at least the ones I've seen, you know, they're more of an old school interpretation. It's really nice to see something new because mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get to see ballet dancers often, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. I guess my final question for you, it's going to be a more deep thought question. So if you okay. need to take your time with your answer, that's okay. Okay. Is if you can think back on your younger self and being a young female trumpet player and those things, and you're searching for some sort of representation or someone to provide you with some inspiration or some advice as to how to pursue being a professional female trumpet player, what advice would you give your younger self in order to give them some sort of motivation to keep going? Actually, I have a quote that I, I keep on a card in my case, and it's from Elizabeth Gilbert from her book, Big Magic. Can I read it off? Yeah. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily gender specific. Yeah. But here's what it is. Creativity is sacred, and it is not sacred. What we make matters enormously and it doesn't matter at all. We toil alone and we are accompanied by spirits. We are terrified and we are brave. Art is a crushing chore and a wonderful privilege. The work wants to be made and it wants to be made through you. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I feel like there's, you know, so many things in society we, we can't control. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the things that we can control are how we want to make our own art and how we want to think about things and how we want to use our time. And those are, those are our gifts to ourselves. And nobody should be in any sort of power to take that joy away from you. 
take those gifts, that luxury of making art and having the time to make art and have it, you know, and call it your career. Love that. Look at you, Jan. So inspirational. <laughs> well, I thank you. Love it. I love that quote. That's <laughs> awesome. And I love how you put it in your case. That's great. It's just like a constant reminder every time you open it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I actually, I love to collect postcards and um, mm -hmm. I have it written on the back of a postcard as if like it would be, you like wrote it to somebody, you know? Yeah. Well, Joanne, I want to thank you for coming on and talking with us and sharing your stories. And I love talking with you. It was so great. Thanks. Thank you. Yay. Uh, yeah. I, uh, when I saw that you had a podcast, I was like, dude, this is really cool. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, you know, there's, like I said, there's, you know, hoping and, and, you know, providing you don't get sick, living during this pandemic -y time gives you a lot of time, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's in some ways it's a gift to figure out what you want to do with your time. I agree. So, if you're crazy like me, you just end up doing insane projects that take so many hours of your time. Like I'm doing, um, <laughs> I know. I actually ran a course the first week of June, and it wasn't supposed to be a gender-specific course, but I had four women sign up, and I secretly was so thankful because I secretly wanted it to be all women. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was just so fun because I developed this course, yeah, like towards the end of April and into May and I ran it and it was my first time doing anything like that. And it was so fun and so inspirational and so great to work with, you know, the women that signed up and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking I'm would like to run it again, but maybe change the format a little since it looks like we're all going to be <laughs> not doing what we're normally doing for a while. So yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so how many, like, how often do you put up this podcast? Um, I've been doing it weekly. Nice. So, so I, your episode will probably come out in the next couple weeks. Cool. Yeah. And it should be cool. Um, I've been interviewing a lot of different people from all different walks of life. So it's, it's really nice because I get to meet new people and talk to them and those sorts of things. And I'm usually a very introverted person. So this is. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, I am. I don't go up and like approach people. I'm not like that kind of person. So this is like the perfect outlet for me because I can just have conversations with people and that sort of thing and make more connections. And so. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm surprised because you're a trumpet player and you're a high school band director. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my former students is a high school. She's She's also a shorter woman, and yeah, she's a high school band director, and it's like, yeah, she's got a big personality, so. Yeah, you kind of have to. I like to say that I'm an extroverted introvert. Like, I get, yeah. my, I get my energy from being alone, and I'm not one of those people that'll just, like, walk up to anybody and just start talking to them. That's not kind of who I am, and, but if I need to be in a situation, I will be. I'm not afraid to, you know, speak in front of people or anything, mm -hmm. and I think that's come to my benefit with my job and my kids see my 
overly sarcastic, dry humor and things like that pretty quickly. And they're like, Oh, Miss Reed does not mess around. So (laughs) you kind of have to um, have a bigger personality, especially when you're dealing with that many kids at once too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My husband is a high school band director. So (laughs) it's a lot. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot, but it's great. I love it. Well, it was nice talking to you, Joanne. Nice talking to you. Great. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really, like I said, I think this is really, it's so awesome that you're doing it. (laughs) This is all new to me. I like bought a podcast microphone and everything and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try doing it anyway. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like take courses and figure stuff out? Like, no, learn learn and go. Just do it. Yeah, just jumping in. All right, Kathy. Well, thanks so much. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Thank you.